On this episode of the Burning Rooms podcast, we're taking you all the way to Toronto, Ontario, which might not be far if you live around there. Uh, <laughs> we are joined by Aisha Sharifa. She is the co-founder of T-Hop, Toronto House of Prayer, and we're going to hear a bit of her story. This is the Burning Rooms podcast. Welcome to the Burning Rooms Podcast, where we connect you with the heartbeat of the praying church, where we have the conversations and share the stories to encourage you and strengthen your corporate and personal prayer life. My name is Johan. And I'm Brian. So as I said in the intro, we are joined by Aisha. Welcome, Aisha, to the Burning Rooms Podcast, your debut. I think I've been trying to get you for a long time. <laughs> it has been a long time. Thank you so much for having me, though. We finally got here, right? Yes, we finally got here. Uh, it's probably the right time. Yeah. Burning Rooms is brought to you by Consecrate.ca, an equipping and training resource with online classes and internships for praying people and communities. See Consecrate.ca for details and any upcoming classes. So, Aisha, welcome here. Again, we're excited to have you. So before we get into your story, maybe tell us a little bit about T-Hop, what it currently looks like, and maybe what your role is there and how it all started. Okay, so right now, we are a small community of prayer. Well, this sounds funny, but we gather within a business building, an office building, if you want to say, in a tiny little room in Midtown, Toronto. And we're so thankful for the people that God has brought along the way to open spaces of prayer for us. Pre-pandemic, we were three prayer rooms about to build the fourth. Uh, the Lord had spoken to us about the north, south, east and west of the city and covering the city. And we had one, our east location was in a church, beautiful prayer room. Uh, we met some women from Catch the Fire who also wanted to catch up our Toronto, who also wanted to build a house of prayer. And they were with us and were building in the West, and they are now still going strong. And then we had our South, but really it is Midtown Toronto, which was in the office space. And we were just praying about fourth, somewhere in the North. And then the pandemic hit. So we had to shut that prayer room down. Our West Side girls were ready to launch out on their own. And so we blessed them. And that has prayer is so beautiful. I actually wish I had pictures to show people that that one's in a home in the West Side of Toronto. And that's called Greater Glory House of Prayer. Shout out to my girls out there. And now we just have our central site that is in an office building. It's a small, it's probably, I think, the smallest prayer room we've ever had. But now we are half the time online and half the time in the building and we are still praying. So when you do online stuff, are you mixing worship in with that? Well, that one's a funny story. Um, when the pandemic started, at the time I was directing the Toronto House of Prayer and I was not hearing anything from the Lord. And that's not actually not my my leadership style. I'm normally a pretty big visionary. The Lord's saying this, I can see it all action points, you know, take it to the team, we discern it together and build it out. And then the pandemic hit and it felt like silence. And 
I was like, God, what is happening? Like, I had no instructions. Everybody was praying online. It was, it was weird. It felt like our house wasn't praying. <laughs> and then everybody else started praying. And it was like, what are you saying, God? And I just felt like he was just, just wrecked. It's okay. Like, you know? And so I didn't know what to do. And then at the time, I was also connected to the 24-7 prayer movement in Canada. And our good friend Shira had started an 8 a.m. prayer meeting online. And, and she had asked me to come on and lead worship. And so I did. And But the Lord was like, Aisha, you know you're really a 6 a.m. girl. And I'm like, I know I am, Papa. You know? And so I decided to start a 6 a.m. Uh, prayer meeting. And uh, a bunch of our House of Prayer people got on board and started praying at 6 a.m. And we actually started doing liturgy. So we did the common book of prayer for ordinary radicals. If you're not familiar with it, you can Google it and it's great. And it has liturgy for you every day. And it felt like in a season of not knowing what to say and hearing silence, God was giving us words to pray. Uh, that was different than our norm because we normally were worship and prayer, harp and bowl, if most people know the term and style. And this was different for us. So yeah, so it kind of looked different. So our prayer times online were more liturgical and our evening times were worship and prayer, like it stayed in that place. And then now we're just in the middle of training a new harp and bowl team on Thursday nights because the Lord has just given us grace to start doing that again, training another team. So we kind of have both going on right now, you know? So now that the pandemic is kind of, well, it's not over, but it's winding down, it seems like things are opening up. Has your vision expanded again for being in different parts of Toronto again? Like like you were talking about, that was kind of your vision and then the pandemic hit. Is that coming back? So funny thing that happened during the pandemic, one of my mentors is Lisa Coons, who is the 24-7 Prayer U.S. National Director. At the time, I had talked to her and I was like, Lisa, I'm not hearing anything from the Lord. And like, that's kind of like not how we roll. So I didn't know what's happening. <laughs> you know, It's like, what's happening, God? And she said to me, do not do anything. Do not go in the presence and try to, you know, slot machine, <laughs> you know, a vision from God. Like, try to do the effort and put something in and hope you can get something back from him. She said, do not move until he tells you to because you have to discern like if this, if the Lord is, is, you know, inviting you into something else. And I think at the time, I don't know if I was even open to the fact that God was going to kind of move me out of the house from that role, I should say, from the role of directorship. It wasn't even in my mind, but as I was quiet before the Lord and I was connecting more with 24-7 prayer, the Lord was opening a lot of doors and I was like walking within that movement without knowing I was even walking in the movement. It's kind of a funny thing. So I had already, I think in 2019, I went to take my vows. So I'm a part of an order called the Order of the Mustard Seed. And I had finished my year of preparation for that. And I went to, to take vows in, in Belfast. And while I was there, I was invited to help lead worship with the 24-7 prayer worship team for that global gathering. And then I was doing a two-year theological track with them as well. And then I was starting to walk with the Canadian team. So I didn't see it that the Lord was actually kind of like slowly moving me over. And I was 
So I wasn't paying attention to it. I think because, you know, the Toronto House of Prayers was my very first like assignment from God in terms of building. And so I never saw myself not building it. <laughs> and uh, during that time, uh, it became very evident and clear that the Lord was moving me from the place of helping to steward and build prayer in the city to then to the nation. And so as we were discerning the time and and some of our leaders on the Toronto team, we were all kind of discerning that the Lord was now saying, okay, let's let's move on over to Canada now. Let's kind of open up your sphere of influence. And it's not that I didn't have that influence before. I've been very, very privileged to have served with uh, people like Faithine and for my Canada, serve at the cries, you know, national prayer things. It's not that that arena wasn't open to me before, but it just kind of felt like the Lord was fully shifting me over now. And so we discerned it. We prayed it. I cried. There was lots of tears. There was lots of fear. And then there was the letting go. And the Lord uh, raised up another director from within our house, a brilliant man of God who is really carrying Psalm 27 verse 4 uh, within his being. I really think he should get a tattoo, to be honest, and that uh, really carries that message. And uh, it was interesting. It was before our 14th anniversary, which was last year. We hadn't been gathering for a very long time, and we felt to call the house together. And as we did, uh, he stood up and gave this, this call back to seeking the face of God. And someone in the back stood up and said, wow, that sounds like a, like a, a director's message. And and I had already known because we had been praying in the background, like, okay, God. But it was like this confirmation started coming, popping up from the people, like they could see it. And so at our anniversary, we transitioned out. And so now I am still a co-founder, like my best friend Zion and I co-founded the house, but I don't sit in the directorship seat anymore. I now sit in an advisory seat with the House of Prayer and still involved in building and helping and, you know, wherever I can. But the Lord has brought someone in to steward it. So now I am walking with the 24-7 prayer movement, but Toronto House of Prayer is still like my, they're my prayer community here <laughs> in the city. So, yeah. So fascinating to hear that story. And one of the things that I was picking out as you were just talking about that is the clear value you have for like the leadership of the Holy Spirit, like asking the Lord, hey, what are you saying? How are you leading me? And I think this is a season where, many, because it's been such an intense season, there's many asking, okay, Lord, like, what are you saying right now? And so along those lines, I'm kind of curious, how did the Lord first start to to lead you into a lifestyle of prayer? Like, how did this thing begin? <laughs> What's the story on that? You know, the funny thing is I was actually with, um, I was with a small group of women who are, they themselves are also uh, preparing, they're in a year of preparation to take their vows. And that question was asked, like, where did we learn to pray? And I just remembered, you know, now I lay me down to sleep, right? It's like, sometimes it's like those little tiny scenes. And I think because I'm a mom, now I'm learning to pay attention to the tiny seeds that eventually, you know, the Lord brings someone to water, but then ultimately he is the one who causes the increase. And so I'm thankful for having parents, especially my mother who taught me to say, now I lay me down to sleep or, you know, being at the dinner table and God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for our food. I mean, like, you know, little tiny things that were like prayer was in my lifestyle. And so 
shout out to all the parents out there who are planting the tiny seeds that you don't even think, you don't even think really anything of. To be honest, we don't even really pay attention to those little things. But what that is doing is training our children from young to have a rhythm of prayer in their lives without it being called a rhythm of prayer, right? It's like they know at bedtime I say this, or at morning times I say this, or at meal times I say this. There's a rhythm that is actually being planted in their lives that we don't even, it's like now that I'm, you know, I'm going to be 40 this year, I'm looking back and like, oh God, like those were really small seeds though. I don't even think in my testimony over the years, I even gave credit to those seeds at all, right? Like, but now I'm like, oh God, like you were planting a rhythm of prayer in my life before I even was aware of it. And so I'm thankful for having, you know, a mom who was very much like taught us how to just say these things off the top of our head or being in school at the time where they're teaching the Lord's Prayer, you know, before it was taken out of schools. But there's this rhythm that you could trace God's rhythm of prayer in our, in our lives, really, if you look back to our very, very childhood. And so prayer was always there as a thing that I just needed to do. And then when I had gotten born again, I was 17 years old. And I just remember, I don't even know why my walk went this way, but I just remember coming home from school every day and locking myself in my bedroom before homework, before getting on the phone or calling friends or any of that stuff, TV snacks, nothing. It was like, go in, I would put on some, I don't know, Hill songs. Darlene was singing. That's all I know. Right? You, know some, you know, shout to the Lord or something. And I'd put on a song and I would sing it to Jesus. And then I would read the word and just pray and talk to God about my day. And then I also had a, a real good rhythm of just journaling. I have journals to this day from the age of 17 when I was first saved till now of written prayers. So yeah, so since like the beginning of my walk, there was this connect of like, close the door, be alone, talk to him. And as I was seeking the Lord, I was really young, I was going to conferences, then I learned about Dutch sheets, you know what I mean? And like beginner's guide to intercession. And then I joined the prayer team at church and there were little things that were there along the way, just wooing me into this life of worship and prayer. I was singing from a young age. And when I got born again, it just felt like the Lord was like, that's for me. And so then I started singing and I didn't know that singing and prayer were going to become like foundation stones in my walk with God. But, you know, he's good and he allows us to engage with him in these places where he gives you these graces that eventually he's going to say, now take those graces and help another generation use them to connect with me. And so along the way, it was like, you know, I learned intercessory prayer and then it was learning warfare, you know, because the church was really strong in warfare for a hot minute. You know, everybody had, you know, anointing oil in their bag and you can get different (laughs) scented ones. I know you guys remember that era, right? And it's like, you know, everyone had anointing oil and everyone was confessing and binding and loosing. And it was like, okay, learning a next stage of prayer. And then about, I, at the time I was doing, uh, I had finished Bible college. I I went to Bible college right out of, out of high school. Strong call from the Lord. It was probably the first time I've ever, and maybe the only time I've ever heard the audible voice of God inside of me and without of me. I had applied to go to college. I wanted to get into um, marketing and eventually go into fashion merchandising. 
and I enrolled to go to school and I had gotten my timetable. And I remember looking at the timetable and it, something on it was wrong. And so I went down to the school, you know, it's like August, school's about to start in September. There's so many kids going in and out of, you know, the college campus. And I went to go to the office to ask for a change in my schedule. And I heard the Lord say, withdraw from school very loud inside and without me. And I knew it was like, there was no questioning. I knew that that was the voice of God. And I just kind of like walked in a, like I legit was in a zone and just kind of like just walked to the admissions office and said, I need to withdraw from school. And the lady even said to me, so that's so weird. She's like, most kids are running to this office to apply for school because it's like August, you know, like people are trying to get in as where they can at that time. You know, it's crunch time if you didn't apply earlier. And uh, she gave me this form and I just sat there and I began to write it all out. And then they asked for the reason why. And I remember I put, I will be attending a Bible college. That's what it said. And uh, that week I had gone to a prayer meeting, just a regular house prayer meeting and the guy who was running the prayer meeting, he said, did anything, you know, happen to anyone this week? Like any testimonies that you want to share? And I remember I just said, I think I heard like the voice of God tell me to withdraw from school. And the guy looked at me and he's like, didn't you get the package in the mail? And I said, what package? He said that God had already spoken to him and he applied to a Bible college for me and had sent <laughs> off my address and everything. Yeah. Um, and I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, the Lord had told him, put her name down and because uh, he was training to be a minister. And I called the school, like I got the phone number from my call. And I said, hey, I, um, I heard that there was a package sent to me. I didn't receive anything. And the lady said, yeah, we sent it out, but it was returned because there was a wrong postal code. So it got returned back to them and it never reached me. And she said, is this your postal code? And I said, no, you're missing this. You know, this number's wrong or whatever. And within about two, three weeks, I was enrolled to Bible college, uh, the money that I had. So I had worked and saved to go to college. So I wasn't on OSAP. Uh, someone had told me very early in life, do not go on OSAP. <laughs> Don't go unassisted, uh, you know, from the government to go to school because I would be in debt for the rest of my life. And so I was like, I worked very hard. I went to high school and I worked a job and saved to go to college. And I had, they had returned my money in time. I could apply. Everything was like, it was like God had swept the way clear for me. And in that place was like, okay, God was showing me very early on that he was ordering my steps to get to where he needs me to go. And then through that, it was like, again, learning different styles of prayer along the way. After Bible college, I was working for a ministry called Urban Promise Toronto. Shout out to them because I love what they do. And they work within the city, with, within different neighborhoods, just helping the next generation. And while I was there, a friend of mine, she had gone to school in, uh, during the Brownsville Revival. So she was back home. And she said, you know, I want to give you this CD. And I popped it in. And it was the Apostolic Prayer CD, the first Apostolic Prayer CD ever made at Kansas City. I hopped and I listened to it and it felt like everything inside of me had come alive. 
And I was like, what? If I like ate that thing up, it was like, I learned Harp and Blow before the manual. I even read the manual. You know what I mean? It was like, everything was there. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, we went to IHOP for the first time and I had felt at home because the Lord had me on this really weird journey of, now it's not so weird, but back then he had, again, one of those instructions of withdraw from something. But he said to me, you're not going to be doing inner city ministry anymore, which I thought was weird because I'm like, I'm serving you in a Christian environment. Why would you tell me to withdraw from this place? And again, the confirmation came, the ED at the time, or my boss at the time, who is now the pastor at People's Church here in Toronto, Brett McBride had come into the office and said, you're not going to be with us this summer, are you? And I was like, like, again, like, how did he know? How did people know these things, you know? And God had told him that I, was, I wasn't I was going to be there. And the confirmation came and I said, God, what am I supposed to do? And he said, you were supposed to sit at home and be before me. And at the time, I didn't know that that was a lifestyle. One of my friends kept calling it, oh, she does long devotions because we didn't have a name for intercessory <laughs> missionary. We knew about devotional time, you know? So Aisha does long devotion times with Jesus. And at home, he taught me how to sit before him for six hours a day. And I would get up and I would worship with him for an hour. I would read the Bible for an hour. I would listen to teachings. I would pray, pray for my family, pray for this city. And he eventually told me to walk my city. And I learned to walk the streets of my city and pray. And I did not know that this was actually like a lifestyle. So by the time I got to IHOP in 2006, it was like home. Like people do this. And I learned the term intercessory missionary. And so... It was like God along the path like of my life. And I, I guess you're right, Brian, in saying that it's like he was teaching me from the beginning to listen to his voice and follow, even when it didn't make sense. Like, you know, the lady in the office is like, why is going withdrawing from school? People are trying to get into go to school. She's doing the opposite thing and it makes no sense. Then it was like being at a job that was already in ministry and it's God and he's moving and I'm seeing young people come to the Lord and and he's saying, you know, step back from that and spend time with me, you know. And like even when I was going to Bible college at the time, my family wasn't 100% saved. And what I mean 100% is like we're Jamaican background and most West Indians go to church. It's like I don't know if I've ever met a an atheist from the Caribbean. Like I don't, I, the day I meet one, I'll be like, wow, Jesus is returning because <laughs> I'm just, it's just in the culture. You just know scripture, you grew up with it. But at the time when I said, God told me to come out of school and go to Bible college, like my family was like, what are you doing? I had one sister that was at York University. I had another sister that was at, you had just you had graduated from UFT. Like these are really amazing universities in our city. Like why was I not going to school to go to Bible college? Like, what was that going to guarantee me? But again, in the midst of family not understanding at the time, which they do now because they're all saved and love Jesus, praise God. But at the time, it didn't make sense. I was constantly going in this opposite direction. But I think that it was the Lord teaching me just to follow him, even when it doesn't make sense, because he confirmed along the way, this is what I have for you. And so when it came time for him to say, build a house of prayer in the city, and everybody was freaking out, like the pastors and, and all the stuff. Like, people were just like, what? Zion and I, my best friend at the time, we had a choice. Are we going to listen to the voice of God 
or we can listen to the voice of men, even though these are people who love Jesus. Again, it could be circumstances that look like, well, wouldn't they agree because they love the Lord? Sometimes people just don't understand what God is doing at that time in your life. And you have a choice. You can either say, yes, Lord, and follow him and trust that his leadership is perfect, or you can follow the voice of men as good as it can sound. And that is even within the prayer movement today. In the midst of the shakings, the prophecies that are going forth by everybody, this is what God's saying, that's what's going Are you going to listen to the voice of God or are you going to listen to the voice of men? And you really, really, really in these days have to be like, God, I know when you are speaking to me and follow that because there will be false Christ. There will, like the Bible is very clear. There's going to be a lot of falsehood going on and things that seem like it's the Lord. Jesus is over here. No, he's over here. Like, but you have to know his voice and be able to follow it so that in the end, you're able to stand. And so I don't even know if I just answered your question, but that's what I had to say. (laughs) That's so good. Like I, I just have the sense, like there's probably some people listening. And and even as, as you're talking, I'm like, Okay, this is so interesting because you have such a, a testimony of the Lord asking you to do things that don't make sense in the natural. And, and one of my questions off of that for you, because I just feel like there's probably going to be a number of listeners who are needing to hear this, actually. How did you learn to respond to his voice? Like when he's asking you to do something that doesn't make sense, you know, like there's always this discernment process, right? Like this doesn't make sense. Is this really you, God? How do you know? Like how, what was that process like for you? Because I feel like almost nothing the Lord asks people to do in the prayer movement makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's been our experience. Like it's just right. There's just so many things. Like why this? This doesn't make sense to anybody else around me. So what has that process been like for you? Of like, okay, learning to discern and how have you settled the issue in your heart when when you know that it's Him, but other people think like, what are you doing? So in the early days, to be honest, it was really hard. I remember when the Lord had first. As I was saying, he was like, you know, withdraw from working in this ministry. I was fresh out of Bible college. I was working, you know, with Urban Promise full time. I was raising funds, all the rest of that stuff. And then the Lord was like, no, you're not going to do it. You're going to sit before me. That was really hard on the flesh because, as I said, I had two sisters who were like university, (laughs) like, you know, girls and they, you know, jobs and ambition and all this stuff. And was like going to family gatherings and it's like, oh, this daughter's doing this, this daughter's doing this. What's Aisha doing? You know, she's at home. <laughs> you know, and like, you know, and, and no one could explain. And I remember one guy at our church was like, does the pastor even know what you're doing? Like people just were like, what are you doing? It was very, very hard. There was, um, in that season of sitting before the Lord, I also wasn't working. Right. So you have to remember, I'm not raising funds. I don't have a job. I'm just before the Lord reading the Bible and singing at home and listening to Heidi Baker and Mike Bickle and all these people. Right. And I'm just with Jesus. And um, there were times when after service at the time, our church would all like run to Denny's. That's when we used to have Denny's, you know, and stay out late and eat. And there were times I showed up and I was like, I have no money even like just to kind of like eat with my friends. And it was really hard in the beginning. But I will say this, God is the perfect father. And every situation that he puts us in, there is a fruit, there is a training that is happening, whether we know it or not. So I remember at the time, 
nobody was like really rating my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? No one would give me five stars on how I was living as a Christian. And it didn't make any sense. And it was hard. But in me, I felt like, God, at the end of the day, if, when I stand before you, you were like, you did what was what I asked you to do, even when it didn't make sense to anyone else, like my obedience mattered to you, then I have to hold on to that. I have to, like, that has to be my anchor at the end of the day. But the other thing is this, is that the Bible says that he puts the lonely in families. And I even love how, you know, when he sends out the, the 71 or however many they say that there was there, uh, that he sends them out two by two or, you know, it's like we're not walking this journey alone and we can do nothing without the body, like nothing. And that message was really clear to me at that time because the Lord had brought a, a friend into my life at that time was like, you pursue God you be obedient to him. And if you need a ride somewhere, I'm here. If you need me to get your food for you when we're at Denny's, don't worry, I got that. Like he brought someone along who literally were his hands and feet in my life, right? Because we we actually get to see who God is through the body, right? Like legit. He has given us the body of Christ so that we actually see the Lord, you know? So when Brian gets a word from God, Priohan, it's like, God is like, no, I have a word for you and I'm speaking to you. And he brings a body along to pay our bills sometimes or to encourage us or just to be with us somewhere. And so in that season, I realized that I wasn't alone, that God was confirming, right? Like that was the other thing. I don't know if you picked that up in my story, but there was always this confirmation that came afterwards. I'm really, really big on that. I'm really big on stepping out in faith knowing that God will give you the grace, but then him also confirming it. And I believe, like, well, for me anyways, those things were really big in my walk with God. And still to this day is like, I believe God is saying things like nobody hears 100%. Like, so anyone who's listening to this, please do not think that I hear 100%. My <laughs> life is flawless. <laughs> no, I'm still learning to this day about following his leadership because it looks different in every season, Right. But I really highly believe in when the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please him. So it's like, if you are sensing God saying something, my first thing is like, okay, this is what I sense God is saying. Sometimes I'll soundboard it off of like, you know, really good trusted friends or my spiritual director or whatever. But if I don't have that, but I know that I know on the inside of me, like, no, I really believe this is God. I'll just step out in faith on it. And then he normally gives grace to do the thing that he actually asked you to do. But I find that along the way, the confirmation always comes. Even in the beginning, like when I first said to the leadership team, I think God wants us to build four houses of prayer, not one. Okay. Yeah. You guys are laughing because you're thinking, we build house of prayer. That's not easy. Why would someone want to sign up for that? <laughs> you know, like, why would you want to do that? You know? And I remember you have the people who are like, okay, well, we've followed you this far and God has always confirmed. So they're trusting in the testimony of God showing up all the time. Then I had people who were like talking to people on the side, like, okay, she's just crazy. She's just crazy now. Like that's too much. We don't even have one fully going 24 seven. She wants to believe for four. What? You know, then you had others who were just like, nah, <laughs> like, nah. And so what I, myself as a leader, what I would do is begin to move my leadership team through the steps of it. Like, just follow me on this journey. 
And then along the way, we started having like people would come and say, oh, oh yeah, I was talking to this pastor or the CEO of this ministry. And I was share- he was asking me about TEOP and I was sharing your vision. And he was like, this is God, because I had this dream where God said this, this, and this about the four corners. Or, you know, I remember we even had a word from Eastgate House of Prayer, right, uh, from Kirk Smith. And he was like, that's the Lord, because I had this dream about the, this corner of the city. And, you know, our first week of doing the four corners, Eastgate actually brought a team over to stand with us and took a whole corner for that week to just pray over that corner of the city. And then I had another friend who was in Reading at Bethel for their school and she was home for the summer. And when I told her the vision of it, she said, do you know that last night she had goosebumps? She was like, God told me to wake up and pray for T-Hop. And he prayed, he told me to pray about the North, East, South and West. And so like the confirmations began to come. And once the people hear, oh, yeah, oh, okay. Well, clearly Asia did not orchestrate any of those things. They're like, okay, God is confirming. And so I'm very much like, is it going to be hard going in the opposite direction of everyone? Yes. Will you feel like a weirdo? Yes. You know, like, is it scary to some degree? Yes. But if you are obedient and you say yes to God, number one, the most amazing thing is that you are pleasing him by your faith. So the Bible says that it is impossible to please God without faith. Like once you step into something, whether you're right or wrong, the fact that you stepped out puts a smile on the face of our father. So that is your number one thing. But then trust that, okay, when I say yes to this, he's going to give me the grace and he will confirm along the way. And sometimes you say yes, you step out in grace, or you step out in faith and he gives you grace and you're walking and he's like, and he'll correct it. Like he's really good to be like, okay, well, yes, I meant this, but I might not have meant it like that, you know? And he brings the clarity because he is a good father. So for people who are listening, it's like, trust the heart of your father. You know, he's got you. He's leading you in paths of righteousness for his own namesake. Like he's doing it. But at the end of the day, he's going to get the glory. So yes, is it going to be hard and might not feel good at the time? And you might lose friends and people might not, the closest people may not stand with you. Yeah, that, that actually could happen. But you, he will not leave you alone. He will bring the champions. He will bring the ones who will cheer you on. He will give you the grace. He will lead you perfectly if you just say yes. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit about my story too when I went to IHOP and the Lord told me to go full-time in the house of prayer. I was working in the school system. The first day I get back from spring break and walk into the school building, a teacher looks at me and says, what are you doing here? I thought you got another job. I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I I haven't mentioned this to anyone. So it just reminds me of your story, walking to the office and all this other stuff. So that's like the Lord does confirm these things. I think that's so encouraging. There's so many things that you said there that we can go on (laughs) different tangents on, but we're going to close up pretty soon here. But I do want to hear your heart, where you feel like this prayer movement is going. I know you mentioned earlier on uh, that the Lord's kind of moving you to build prayer in the nation over just Toronto. Maybe that's part of it. Uh, But where do you see the Lord taking this prayer movement, even even in Canada, in our nation? Well, I will say this, Canada has been praying. And for those who have been praying, thank you for being faithful. The little prayers do mean something. You know, sometimes you're in a prayer meeting and it's like dry. (laughs) You're just like, is the Holy Spirit even here? You know, those ones, right? But he's just a good father and he hears us when we pray. And when I think about the nation, 
I'm like, let's not get too controversial here because sometimes I can say things that are a little rock the boat a little bit. You can rock the boat all you want. That's fine. <laughs> Look at you guys just throwing gas on that fire, right? <laughs> like, yes, take it up. I will say this. What my heart's desire is for the nation of Canada is to come back to the place of prayer and in alignment with the kingdom of God. And I don't know where and how it happened. Only the Lord knows these things. But I feel like the prayer movement has veered off in a very strong political spirit and very like, how do I put it in these terms? It feels like it's very earthbound, like everything that we're very caught up with everything like that's just happening here and now, who's in power, who's not, what's happening over here, what's happening over there. And, and yes, we do pray for what is happening in our world, but we have to remember that Jesus's message was a kingdom message. Like he was about the kingdom of God coming to earth. And that's actually what he even taught us to pray. He said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Please don't get myself in trouble here. No one sent me any hate comments, but I'll say this. I am not living for a better Canada. I'm not praying for a better Canada. What I am praying for is the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven, because that is the plan of the father. And so when you know the plan of the father, you come into agreement with the plan of the father. Jesus, when you look at his life, he wasn't trying to go around with every leader and try to work with them to see his kingdom come. He knew that his kingdom was going to come and it is coming, right? So he was in alignment with whatever his father was doing. And if that meant that he had to lay down his life and die, he said, not my will, but your will be done. You know, and when you look at the way Jesus talked in the midst of persecution and getting beat up and and his thing was like, do you not know? Like I could call for a legion of angels right now. Like that line to me is like, Jesus, he's a bad man of Jama. You know what I mean? Like he just, <laughs> he, he was like, do you not know that I could call for a legion of angels right now? And his father would release them because Jesus knew who he was. He knew his authority and he knew that the world belonged to him anyways. Right. But He allowed history to play out the way it was supposed to, so the will of God could be done. And sometimes I think we are very caught up in our prayers, are very earth central and in the world central and not kingdom centered, where we're so afraid of things happening, but we're not paying attention to how Jesus actually rolls out what these last things are supposed to look like leading up to his return. And so I feel like my... In my heart, sometimes I'm in different prayer meetings where I'm just like, where is our kingdom focus as a church? Like, where are we? Are we in agreement with God's timeline? Or are we trying to pray in some other thing, like what we feel should be the way to go? Like, you know, (laughs) Jesus even rebukes Peter because Peter's just, Jesus like, I have to die. Like, he is saying, this is what's going to happen. The Son of Man is going to be you know, crucified. He's going to die. And Peter's at her like, no, not you, Lord. You know, because they had a picture in their mind of what was supposed to happen in terms of this Messiah taking over in Jerusalem, you know, being the, the place that they should be and, and all this stuff. And the political parties being moved out of the way. It was a very political time when Jesus was there too, you know? 
And they had this whole picture in their mind of how it was supposed to go. So Peter's just kind of like, no, 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 not, not you, Lord. Like, that's not supposed to happen. And Jesus had to be like, get behind me, Satan. And he said this line, he's like, you are mindful of the things of man and not of the things of God. And sometimes it feels like that in some prayer meetings where it's like, God, help us to be mindful of the things of God, like your way of doing it, how you are going to roll out these end times, which are not going to be pretty, unfortunately. I'm really sorry to burst anybody's bubble, but it's not just going to be hunky-dory. It is going to be tribulation and great tribulation, you know? But that is a part of the Father's timeline of his son returning and this kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, you know? And so I think my heart's desire for the prayer movement in Canada is to be kingdom bound, kingdom focused, King Jesus at the center and his will being done and us praying that and not our own will. So that's my heart's desire for the Canadian prayer movement. I guess not even just Canadians, but everywhere, right? As citizens of God's kingdom, it's like, God, show us where you are in your timeline. Help me to accept that and help my prayers to align with what you are doing in this, in these last days. I hope that answers your question. That's so good. I mean, I can probably, you should record some more messages just so I can hear you talk. <laughs> That's just like, I'm, I'm getting stirred. So it's just good. <laughs> As we close though, if you can pray for us and pray for the listeners, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's being stirred up what the Lord's doing. So. Um, Abba Father, here we are. <laughs> Your children who you have invited into a lifestyle of prayer and communion with you just because you love us. And we say thank you that you have invited us into this place of communion through prayer, the place of partnership through prayer, the place of just gazing at your son through prayer. We thank you for it. It is a privilege, God, and we don't take it lightly. And Father, in these last days, I ask that he would teach us how to pray. Teach us, Father, how to pray according to your will, according to your heart in these last days. Because we don't know. Every season, every year, it's different. How we prayed when we were children versus when we were teenagers, uh, to being adults, to being ministers before you, it has changed over the years. And so, we come humbly, Father, and we say that we actually don't know how to pray in this hour, but we say yes to the invitation of you teaching us how to pray. Um, make us sensitive to the times when you are calling us into the closet to close the door and to pray that um, we would be obedient, Lord, when you wake us up in the night or when we're in the car and you bring something to us in prayer that we would just say yes in those moments. And Father, I also just pray for parents all across Canada or whoever is listening to this podcast. Father, I pray that parents would not take lightly the little seeds of the gospel that is being planted in their children's lives through singing prayers during a meal or praying together at night. The little phrases that they learn. Father, we say thank you for those moments. Thank you for parents across Canada who are teaching their kids 
how to live a rhythm of prayer and have a rhythm of prayer in their lifestyle without knowing it. Father, I also just pray that parents would um, not feel like it has to be super eloquent, but that they would just trust you, the one who brings someone to water and ultimately the one who brings the increase in their children's lives. And with that, Father, I also just want to pray for the next generation of, of praying people, Lord, in this nation. Raise up little prayer warriors, Father, from the age of five all the way up to 17, God. Raise up ones, Lord, who will just, you know, put down their, their video games for a second and just go and write you a letter and pray writing in a journal or who will sing a prayer to you or who will just go to the park and begin to talk to you because they see birds flying in the air and are just caught up in amazement of your creation. Thank you that you are raising up people of prayer all across the nation of Canada because it is something that you do. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks Amen. so much for joining Amen. us. Thanks for having me, guys. Is there any information that you want to share with our audience, how they can reach you or support you? I guess you can find me on Facebook. Yeah, if you just type in Aisha Sharifa, I should pop up. <laughs> um, or if you, could, if you want, you can visit the Canadian Houses of Prayer Facebook. Yeah, shoot me a message there and uh, people can connect with me that way. And... Toronto House of Prayer has a website as well, if people want to. Yes, they do. Yes, they can go to thop.ca and uh, find out more about that as well. Awesome. Again, thanks for joining us. You're welcome to come back on any time. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't take like two years again. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to find out more information about Burning Rooms podcast, you can go to burningrooms.ca or visit consecrate.ca if you want to find out about the internship and the classes that we offer and provide. Until next time, my name is Johan. And I'm Brian. And this has been the, the Burning Rooms Burning Podcast. Rooms. <laughs>